Believers are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That means that we are to be controlled and energized and moved along by the Spirit of God. It also means to be permeated with the Holy Spirit and to emit the fragrance, the aroma, the flavor of the Lord Jesus Christ. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit means that the believer is energized and moved and permeated by the Spirit of God. But what happens when we're not? Get your Bibles and let's talk about it. To be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit controls the believer who yields to God and submits himself to God's Word. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. Turn there with me, if you will. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. Dissipation is reckless actions or lacking moral restraint. So that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. So here we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Believers are to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit rather than to be under the influence of something else. Then Paul gives information about what that looks like. That's what verses 19 and 20 are. When we're filled with the Spirit, the ways it's going to show up include speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things. So those are some things that are going to characterize a person who is filled with the Spirit. The Spirit can flow freely through the believer when one is walking in obedience to God's Word and dealing with sin as a way of life. But there are sins against the Spirit of God that block the flow. So these two sins that we're going to look at today are sins that are committed against the Holy Spirit by believers. Still there in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, since we're there, look at chapter 4 and verse 30. He says, Do not grieve the Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Spirit of God. Now, first of all, I want to look at the comfort phrase there. It's helpful. Sealed for the day of redemption. Remember what it means to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, again, since you're already there in the book, verse 13 says, In Him, that is in the Spirit, in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having also believed, you were sealed in Him, the Holy Spirit of promise. So that's a great verse. Uh, a seal 
is an identifying mark. In the scriptures, a seal communicates ownership. It carries with it protection and validation of the relationship. It shows permanent ownership. So we will remain Christians. We will remain God's children. And once we're born, we cannot become unborn. How did that happen? Look in that verse, by believing. And when we believe, when we believed the gospel, surrendered to the gospel, boom, we were sealed in him by him. So this sin of grieving the Holy Spirit is not a sin that can separate us from the love of God and send us to hell. So think about things that are inconsistent with the nature of the Holy Spirit. We can hurt his heart and bring pain to him by what we do. Remember that he, the Holy Spirit, is a person, a he, not an it. And so he is just like Jesus. He loves us just like Christ loves us. And if someone doesn't love us, we might hurt and anger them or they might hurt and anger us, but we only grieve a person who loves us or whom we love. And so grief is a love word. Now, how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Look with me in chapter four there in the book of Ephesians and let's begin reading in verse 20 and we're going to read to the end of the chapter. The question, how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? He begins in verse 20 with, but you did not learn Christ this way. So he's setting up a contrast with what he's just said. He said, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside or put off the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God. It has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. Let no unwholesome word, that word in the original language is rotten. Let no rotten word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, for building up according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ Jesus has 
also forgiven you. So how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Let's summarize it like this. Whatever is unlike Christ in conduct or speech or attitude grieves the Holy Spirit. Grieves the Holy Spirit. He's a person, he has emotions, and it hurts his heart. So we can know what hurts the Spirit when we know the things that are opposite from the Spirit. Take this for example. Look there in verse 25. What did he say? Therefore, laying aside falsehood. We know that the New Testament calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. So anything that is false or deceitful or hypocritical, it grieves him. Anything against truth. Um, Hebrews 10, 29 calls him the Spirit of grace. So anything that is ungracious or malicious or bitter and unforgiving or hard and unloving grieves him, hurts his heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13 calls him the spirit of faith. Ah, so when I'm guilty of doubt and worry and unbelief and anxiety, I grieve him. He is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's called that for a reason. He is the Holy Spirit. So anything that is profane or unclean or unholy or degrading or not set apart unto God grieves him, hurts his heart. So what happens when I grieve the Holy Spirit? It impairs the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit through me. Remember from our previous lessons, we're conduit through which the Holy Spirit can flow. We are vessels through which the Holy Spirit flows through us. And so when I don't let him flow, when I grieve him, then that impairs that power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit through me. Now, it doesn't mean that I lose him in my life. He doesn't remove himself from me. Remember, he, we are sealed. He does not stop sealing me. He does not stop sealing me. But the conduit is clogged, like a clogged water pipe or a, a frozen water pipe. Anything that stops it up, that keeps the flow from being able to move freely. So when I grieve the Holy Spirit, that flow is interrupted. So there is a muffling of joy and power until we deal with the sin, until we deal with the sin. There's another sin against the Holy Spirit that's kind of a partner with this one. It's kind of like two sides of a coin. It partners with grieving him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, among this list of other commands, Paul just runs down that list. You can read it later, but just boop, 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 boop. There's a list of commands. Some people call them staccato commands. But there is one in particular that says, do not quench the Spirit. And again, he's speaking to believers. Do not quench the Spirit. The word quench means to extinguish, means to stifle. Uh, it is used in Scripture 
of putting out a fire or putting out a lamp. Uh, you know, sometimes when power goes off, we have to use kerosene lamps. And so when it's time to turn it off, we have to muffle it or we have to stifle it. We have to cover it so that it goes out. So another way to think about it is to think of pouring water on a fire. That's quenching it. So quench is when we put out a fire. Throughout scripture, the Holy Spirit is depicted as a fire. So Paul says, don't throw water on that fire. Don't throw water on that fire of the Holy Spirit. Don't stifle the work of the Spirit. Don't cover it. Don't smother it. The word grieve has the sense of being hurt or sorrowful. We bruise the Spirit's heart with our sin. Quenching is what we do to the Spirit. We quench, we do something to Him, and His response to our quenching is grieving. Quench and grieve. We quench, He grieves. So the two goes together, go together. So we clog the conduit of our lives as the Holy Spirit is seeking to move His love and His power through us. You know, it is stunning to think that the omnipotent Spirit of Almighty God could be quenched or restricted by us. But He's chosen to do that because He partners with us. We are in a relationship with Him. We are called to bow before Him, to work with Him, to cooperate with Him, to let Him move through us. And so what He otherwise might do in our lives can be restricted or quenched or stopped by us, by quenching the Holy Spirit, by stifling that move of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit comes to us as a fire. He can be fanned into full flame or he can be shut down. He is not given the freedom to accomplish his will or, you know, we can douse him uh, with our disobedience. And that happens in the life of a Christian. We can extinguish the fire of the Holy Spirit. That's a scary thing to me. We would wish that he would just go ahead and do his thing in spite of us, and he may choose to do that at times. But the plan is he is working with us and in us to do what? Make us like Christ, to make us like Christ. Now, I started thinking about ways that we might quench the Holy Spirit, and I made a pretty lengthy list. These are all convicting to me. We quench the Holy Spirit in general. <clears throat> we quench Him when we do not do what He has told us to do or when we do what He's told us not to do. So what is that? That's just disobedience. Um, so let's think through some things. What about being bitter and angry? Sometimes that's something we just begin to carry with us. It becomes a part of who we are. It becomes a part of how we think. And so we quench him with our bitterness and our anger. What about not praying? 
prayerlessness. So what about prayerlessness that is quenching the Holy Spirit? What about handling a situation ourselves without consulting him? What about we think, I've got this, and I move right on to do whatever I think I need to do, and I never include him in the decision or in the process? What about when I don't trust him with the supply that he has promised? What did he promise? I will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Jesus Christ promised that. Those things are implemented through the work of the Holy Spirit. So when I'm worrying about my monthly bills, when I may be worrying about the food on my table, when I'm worrying about if I'm going to have this or if I'm going to have that, then I'm not trusting his supply and I am grieving the Holy Spirit. What about not spending time in God's word? What if I'm thinking, well, I've had enough of that. I know all I need to know about that. I'm good. I'm good. And so I just don't spend time. What about when we are prideful? Ooh, I do it every day. What about when we're prideful? What about when we are selfish? You know, we all know that attitude of I want to do what I want to do and I want to do it the way I want to do it. You familiar with that one? I want to do what I want to do and I want to do it the way that I want to do it. Y'all get on out of the way. And the Holy Spirit is not included in that. Self-will, stubbornness, apathy, indifference, laziness, those things are not characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're not going to be characteristics of the Holy Spirit. What about being confident in my own flesh? What about when he convicts us to do something or to stop doing something and we put it off? What about when we say, oh, yeah, um, I, I, I need to do that. I, I will try to do that tomorrow. And we keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Did he ever keep bringing up somebody's name to you? Did he ever just, out of the blue, just let somebody's name come to your mind, maybe in the middle of the night, maybe in the day, and you hadn't thought of that person? But that person just keeps coming up, coming up, and we just keep pushing it back, pushing it back, either not recognizing that it's coming from the Holy Spirit or just pushing it back. What about those moments in church? when your heart is pounding and God is calling you to make some kind of a public response and we won't do it. There are tons of reasons that Satan will give us for that. Do you know what that is? It's grieving the spirit. It's sin. It's grieving the spirit. So when we fail to pray, when we fail to study God's word, when we don't witness when we fail to receive and use the grace and comfort and help that he makes available to us 
we clog his power through us. He says, I've given you grace. I've given you comfort. Believe it. Walk in it. But instead, sometimes we let those things stifle us, bind us, paralyze us. So willful sin, a critical spirit, unkindness, selfishness, self-centeredness, careless treatment of others, those things are all spirit quenchers. Spirit quenchers. The Holy Spirit shows us Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 16, when the Spirit comes, He will bear witness of me. Now Jesus is talking. When the Spirit comes, He will bear witness of me. He will show you things of me to you. He will show the things of me to you. He will reveal me to you. So the Holy Spirit is always showing us Christ. He is always leading us to ascribe glory to Christ, to live out His value. So He is moving us toward Christ-likeness. That is the process of sanctification. He is moving us that way. And when we quench Him, we slow down and interrupt the progress. We interrupt the process. Sometimes we quench Him by not using the gifts that He has given to us. Or, here's a biggie that's been on my heart. When we, for whatever reason, our own opinion, our traditions, whatever, when we pre prevent another person for using the gifts of the Holy Spirit that He has given to that person for the purpose of ministry in the church, then we stifle, we quench the Holy Spirit. So those gifts that are given to us to build up the body need to be used freely by whomever He's given them to. So we quench the Spirit when we bypass Him and use other resources for ministry and we use other resources to get help and provision. Do you ever do that? You know, I'm guilty, we're guilty. Uh, we call a meeting and we decide and we never really pray or hold it before the Lord and say, what is it you want? What is it you're wanting to do? We just get together and decide this is a good idea. Ooh, that other church did that over there. They had great response. Let's, let's do that. Getting before the Holy Spirit and getting instructions. And when we do not do that, we have quenched the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. This list is convicting to me. And when we find ourselves doing these things, what do we do? What do we do to rekindle the flame? Well, we confess and renounce and repent of the sin. Now go back to our lesson on what it takes to be filled with the Spirit. How do we walk how do we walk in the fullness of the Spirit? The way we walk in the filling of the Spirit is by confessing and renouncing and repenting of sin. It's a lifestyle. So He's going to lead us in obedience. And when we see that we've messed up, we're going to back up and say, mm -mm, I missed it. And so we confess it, agree with Him about it, 
and then determine that we're going to do differently and think differently about that. When we ignore all of these things that I've been talking about, all of these things in this list, when we ignore those things, we're not filled. The command was to be filled. When I ignore those things, I'm not controlled by the Spirit. And they're simple things. When we ignore them long enough, and this is my fear for me, for all of us. When we ignore them long enough, we get used to them. And we become acclimated to them. And we become satisfied living without the fullness of the Spirit. And we conclude things like, well, that's what er this, everybody's like this, you know. What do we think? God, God may be used to it. Um, God's okay with it because he just knows we're that way. No, no. So what's happening then is that the Holy Spirit is grieved and that flow is inhibited from flowing through the church. The flow of the Holy Spirit that brings power, that brings change to the world around us is stopped up. It's stopped up in the church. And we've become acclimating to be, acclimated to being angry with somebody or to being bitter or to not reading our Bibles or to not praying or to just going to meetings or to just going through the routine. And what happens? The Spirit is quenched. The Holy Spirit's goal for us is to make us like Christ. That's the process of sanctification. That's what He's doing in us is to get us to where it is a lifestyle for us to think like Jesus, to talk like Jesus, to walk like Jesus, and to expose the world to what Jesus is like through the life of a believer. That's what this is about. He empowers us to be like Jesus. And so when he is about the business of empowering us to be like Jesus, and we're going, uh-uh. Then we're quenching. And we're telling the world a lie about what Jesus is like. Because you know what the world has to look at to know what Jesus is like? Us, believers, the church. How are we doing? How are we doing? Could it be, could it be, that we've become so accustomed to this list of being opinionated, of being selfish, of wanting it our way. Um, could, could it be that that's what's keeping the power out of the church? Because the church is here to reveal Christ and to bring the world to Christ. One verse of scripture that's always fascinated me. It's a verse in the book of Acts. It just says this. It's talking about the disciples, the apostles. It says, they who have turned the world upside down have come hither also. Is the world saying that about the church? Could it be that we have quenched him? We have grieved him to the point that he just can't get through us because we are not yielded, because we've become acclimated to living without the fullness of the Holy Spirit. How are we going to get it? 
by repenting, confessing sin, obeying what he says do, walking in faith, being in the word, and he will flow. And when that spirit flows through us, it's going to affect the world around us. Now, it's really nice when one here does it and one there does it and one there does it. Maybe I do it sometimes, but oh, what would happen if we all did it together at the same time? He empowers us. We have within us the power to show the world what Jesus is like. We can quench that. And when we quench it, he grieves. Let's work together to not grieve him anymore. Amen.